just good to be together in the cloud back for another jubilee online it's been super fun these wednesdays have been really rich and uh we spent the last 14 or 15 weeks on what is the gospel who is the gospel where when why we didn't dare to ask how but uh <laughs> just been enjoying such a rich and beautiful substantial message last week we were going through some of what is substantial i think this week will be a bit of a continuation on that um i invited maddie b to join us tonight for some conversation and a brother that i really respect in the lord who loves to drink deeply the holy ghost just look at his face he's uh, he's already stuck in the honey trance in the in the trance hole and uh <laughs> but he also loves the message of going deep in the scripture, the church historic. And uh, whoa, it is so drunk in here. He's also going to help me out. We're just going to facilitate a bit of conversation tonight around a subject that Maddie and I were already talking about. I love to I love to take questions, and uh, and sometimes you guys are too shy. You know, or you just don't think of questions in the moment. I'm like that. Sometimes I'm just drunk. But we had some really good conversation around a few questions this week that we thought might be good to talk about. So we're going to do a little bit of that here and continue. That, Which also helps me out because I've been super busy this week getting ready for our Kainos Quinonia, which we are happy to see so many of you guys coming, coming out to Fort Wayne, Fort Wack. There's still time to catch a hot air balloon, a dirigible, a submarine, uh, a, uh, a whirlwind. It's time to hop on a whirlwind and make it over. Uh, but we are starting, what is it, in about 48 hours. 48 hours, woo! So we've been getting so many things ready. So I did not prepare a message tonight. We're going to go off the cuff a little bit. Um, which, you know, as you know, I do quite a bit anyway. But um, I want to invite you guys into the conversation tonight, as always. Uh, you know, I love what, um, and I've quoted this many times, but Sarayu, who represents Holy Spirit in the shack, says that this is always meant to be a conversation among friends. And uh, Maddie B and I were having conversation. I get quite heated sometimes, and Holy Spirit has to remind me, this is just a conversation among friends. None of us know it all, Matt. You don't know it all. Uh, <laughs> we get so dogmatic about things. and uh, But I've, I've really had in my heart that Jubilee Online would be a conversation. And so if you ever do feel to chime in, we are not going to jump down your throat. We're not going to Bible bash you. We need to hear from you. We need to receive from one another. Amen. Woo! Shaga laga laga. It's so fun to receive from one another. Oh yeah, Maddie B, you already have one one or is that for now or for later? Yeah, it's a little kiff we talk. Do it, bro. Let's do this. What is the gospel session fifteen, I believe we're on? And go. I, I just I don't know. It's like we've been talking about 
some really hard words, but it's just funny. Like, I don't know if you guys are on Facebook, but we're talking about hard words, but I don't even think that that's really even the discussion. Oh, yeah. It's really about the love of the father. Whoa. Whoa. Does the, does Papa really love us? Whoa. Whoa. So I just really want to ask, you know, read something. And then if somebody wants to chime in, you're welcome to, but I'm just going to, paste this thing into the quote box and you can read along with me this is baxter baxter's a really nice guy reconciliation is not about punishment reconciliation is about the father reaching us in his son in the spirit It is about the sun crossing all worlds of our confusion to establish a real relationship with us inside our darkness so that fallen minds can be converted and we can know the Father and live. The biblical story is driven by the love of the triune God. And in this love, by the relationship between God on the one side and Adam and Israel and humanity on the other. In this relationship, the father speaks. He reveals. He gives. His humanity is thereby summoned to hear, to know, and to receive the father's love. And in hearing the father's voice and knowing his affirmation and receiving his love, humanity is quickened with an abounding life that it does not possess in itself, nor can it create. This abounding life is then over, is then overflow into relationships with one another and with all of creation. Let me read one other quote. This is right below it. There is an infinite difference between the religious obedience to a divine being or a divine rule and soul knowledge of the Father's heart. When we know the Father's delight, something happens to us. Something that we cannot do to ourselves. Something far deeper than that ability to do right. We are quickened with hope. In seeing the Father's true face, our souls are baptized with an unearthly assurance, with a security and a confidence not of this world. With this assurance comes an awakening, and with the awakening comes freedom, a freedom to stand up, to walk, to risk, to venture forth. But this is only the beginning. With the Father's assurance comes freedom to give and to receive, freedom to know and to be known. Freedom to love and be loved. And in this freedom, relationships are formed. Creativity is unleashed. And creation finds itself a true friend. This is how the blessed kingdom of the triune God works. We are designed to be quickened with life through spiritual knowledge of the Father's heart. And then for this life to overflow in other-centered love to others and all creation. I think the question sometimes when people talk about sin and deception 
It's like it's kind of a weird discussion on some level because everybody starts with this place of did I do everything right and I did I do the, did I skip the wrong things? And I, to me, that's the wrong discussion because to me, that's just going back to the garden and eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil because you're just at this place of like trying to do everything right and skipping the wrong things. And I think that that's the wrong discussion. I think the discussion begins with, are we embraced? Do we know that we're loved? So I think that that's what we're talking about today. I don't know, Matt. <laughs> Feel free and chime in here. <laughs> yeah, man. I'll just yeah. bring people up to speed. So Matty B and I have been just pondering and revelating together for a few days now. And uh, so we're just continuing our conversation. I said, bro, can we just continue this on the What is the Gospel series? Because it really is relevant. Um, and I think one way to help everybody catch up with what we've been talking about is to read uh, Maddie B's uh, post from yesterday on Facebook. And uh, I'll read it and give a brief summary. And then and then you'll. I think that'll help catch everybody up to what we were talking about. So... Uh, Matt, Matt posted, I think it was yesterday or the day before, he said, if someone says I'm a good person and they know nothing of the scripture, the gospel, or Jesus, is that okay? Do we just affirm their goodness and tack on some Jesus? You are perfect, flawless, and good. Oh, is the music too loud? Sorry. <laughs> what if, uh, do we affirm their goodness and just tack on some Jesus? You are perfect, flawless, and good, and just keep pushing? What if they're a narcissist, a manipulator, one who feels entirely entitled to a lie, to manipulate, deceive, and cheat for their own benefit? If they believe they're a good person, is that okay? Do we say they're holy and perfect because Jesus made them to be that way and be on our merry way? Or is part of the gospel that Jesus deals with the deep darkness of the human heart? He speaks to and heals the sin and lies because he loves us. And uh, well, I'll just summarize it this way, too, in saying uh, there has been over the last 15 years, and at least in my experience when I came into it, when people start to hear this beautiful message that we've been going over for the last 14 weeks, that you are complete in him, you've been made whole, you're a new creation, etc., 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 then sometimes people have heard that and just thought like all we need to do is tell people everybody's perfect. And sometimes that's just literally all some people share. And, uh, and, and so, you know, I responded to Matt's post and we've been talking about it. Like, uh, and this is honestly part of what I think, you know, when you, when you share with a number of Christians, they get a little afraid. Oh, this grace is just going to start telling people they're perfect and there's no such thing as sin and there's no such thing as all that stuff. Um, even though there's elements of truth uh, all around here, um, what Maddie B and I have been talking about is like wanting to communicate a whole gospel that touches the whole person and that liberates people from these negative patterns, not just saying you're beautiful, continue on, you know, the, the message that you hear in every, you know, 
every movie and TV program and radio station and everything now is like, you're perfect just the way you are and you were born that way. And there's an element of truth there, but that's also just a Christless statement. You know, it's not the gospel. <laughs> there's, there is, the gospel will affirm some of that, but only as it has delivered you from the old into the new. You know, and so we've been kind of talking about that. And, and so I, hopefully maybe that will catch us up to speed on communicating a full gospel without becoming sin conscious, right? We don't want to just go back to, you know, the more you focus on sin, the more it seems to grow. The more you focus on demons, all of a sudden there's demons everywhere, you know, but declaring a whole gospel that actually, you know, and part of it, I'll say part of the reason this conversation has come up is that even some of the old leaders that used to preach the finished work kind of, you know, after a while you realize some of them are still kind of mean and or they have or they're they become like turds in some way. Not actually, you know, it's just like, you know, you, these guys preach even they were even preachers of the gospel and they're cheating on their wives. They're leaving their kids they they're you know name the list you know and some of us have been really disappointed in our hearts were broken and we're like should we talk about this stuff maybe it's okay to talk about this in the church just just together as a conversation um so yeah i said a lot of words you want to respond to any of that matt or anybody else <laughs> oh I, I think that's really great thanks for all that yeah just thank I you just, bro yeah, I really love how you introduced it. I don't think I think you did a much better job of introducing than I did. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just I think too it's like oh, like I just been just seeing how you know, like part of the issue is is like, do we really know how loved we are? Come on, and bro. I think that that's really the heart of what I'm talking about in those posts is like, and is it like a real love? Is it, or is it like this kind of made up in your mind thing? And the thing that I just keep on seeing with certain people, like I'm, I have a conversation with certain people and like, you'll just talk to them and like, do they really know that, they're loved in those areas are they doing it themselves and then slapping a christian label of that i'm a good person or i'm righteous or i'm holy or it's the work is finished you know it's just there's like a covering up sometimes right and that's like a false thing that's like apart from the good news it's like you're turned away from the good news and then you're slapping the good news or a Christian ethic or I'm a good person. And that just becomes like this false veneer that's like overlaying this deep truth that says that I'm unwanted or if I manipulate or control, then I'm a good, then that's the way I can do things. Or, uh, you know, or, if, you know, just all these variant things that the, that people do instead of, realizing how loved they are and coming into that awareness of the truth in those areas and receiving the gospel in those areas, you know? And so I know, like, I just, it's just like, 
it's kind of like a discussion thing because I don't know if there's like a perfect answer to like some of these things. Like I think uh, Allison, she had this really good point on my Facebook post is that she's like, is there an answer to this? <laughs> or, you know, it's like, is there an answer to this? Like, is, is, or is it a case by case by the Holy Spirit thing? And I think that that's really true, right? Like there's these big picture truths, right? Jesus saved humanity and he sanctified us and he changed us into his very image. But then there's like these individual things is like, how does that apply in my own heart? Like, how, you know, that's like the subjective versus the objective that Matt's talked about, right? He's like, Jesus has done it all, right? He loves us. He's transformed us into his very image. But then there's like this, this part, like, how does it, how does it, like, how does my mind catch up to that truth? Like, how does that, how do we get caught up? So it's like, on some level, like, there's like a million answers to this question, but it's something that I thought it was like worth exploring at least a little bit. <laughs> and so absolutely. I don't know, Matt, you have any thoughts? Uh, absolutely, man. Um, whoo. Just feels good to know, you know, that, uh, and I love, this is what the Torrance has said so many times. And I love uh, in Alexandra Sophie Radcliffe's book, I think Alexandra in her book, which we are going to be doing a book study on that for those of you guys that want to join, um, Maddie B and Paul W are leading a book study on, on, uh, the claim of humanity in Christ by Alexandra Sophie Radcliffe, which I would highly recommend. Uh, we're just doing a lot of this just for the fun of it, you know, the joy, uh, of going deeper. But one of the things that they would always say is that this, this sanctification that we have as a free gift is practically applied by the Holy Spirit, you know, <laughs> by the Spirit. <laughs> and that, like, sounds too impractical for our Western mind a lot of times. You know, we, we want, what were the steps? What were the, how do I do it? You know, and uh, that's what I love. And also, uh, in a way, why I avoid the how questions. When someone asks, how do I I usually will answer, you can't. And then I'll say, you know, and then as Dr. Eric always says, it's change the how into who. Go back and look at who this is again. Who are Abba, Jesus, and Holy Spirit? And rather than how do I? Because the truth is, how do I? You can't. But it's by the gift of the Holy Spirit. But at, this, at the same time, I think, we have seen, you know, at times, if we're honest, folks, that they kind of get this message at a certain level, you know, and they kind of stick with this shallow. I think part of it was, you know, in the last 15 years, this message was pretty new in a lot of circles. Like the message of you are complete in him. You are actually holy. You're saved. You're delivered. You're, you're a new creation. For a lot of people, that was new. And whenever something's new, you see people kind of jump on a bandwagon with it. You know, there's, it's like, it becomes the new popular thing to say like, oh yeah, man, I'm, I, I love the finished work or like, wow, we're really pushing the envelope with grace. And it's like, you know, I, I think a lot of folks kind of got into the message almost like as a cutting edge, cool hip thing for a while, <laughs> like, you know, but then, 
union is the deepest message in the universe. The finished work, the gospel of Jesus is the deepest reality ever. And when you start to take it personally, that it, 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 you know, Jesus, it communion, life-giving union and communion, just deal with and disciple all those areas, you know? Um, but I think, you know, part of Maddie B and I talking about this was like, we just saw even creeping into some of our own fringes of circles that we hang with, like this kind of thing where people were happy to kind of tip their hat to the finished work and not, uh, not seeing that kind of life transformation, like humble, sweet, other centered lovers. But I think we've seen in the last, especially in the last five years, I'm just looking at your guys' faces in here, man. Like look at the faces of these people. There's so many other centered lovers in here. I really feel like in so many ways, there's been a maturity that's happened um, and it's still happening, but I think it's still good to have these combos and, and just provoke one another. You know, we're all, we're all learning. We're all seeing. Um, does anybody else want to chime in on this? Anybody else? Um, Maddie B and I have been talking for days, so <laughs> we can keep going, but uh just always want to give room for every voice, you know. Yeah, they're so beautiful. Um, I would like to say that I feel like for me that the more, you know, I connect with him, the more I can you know I feel his heart and who he is and then like it's easier for me to change to, to um like Come on. I today like you know in, in my struggle with sleep like if I can't sleep I'll I get really frustrated and oftentimes if I just grab my Bible or some scriptures and I just meditate them on them. I can, I feel like I just connect to that world or whatever that he's in. And it's like the veil comes off and I'm like, Oh, okay. And then I just kind of like can fall asleep. And like today, when I was at work, I could feel this meekness inside of me. Like it was like another person inside of me. I'm like, this is not me. Usually, usually I'm like, Oh, you know, and just, I get angry really easily, but there was this other, other thing in me. And I was like, oh man, this is Jesus. I know it because it was so meek. It was very gentle. And, um, so it's like, yeah. And, and sometimes it's more of, I just kind of like, no, I have to like, not do something, um, something that I know is going to lead me to behavior that i want to see change i guess so <laughs> i love that thanks for sharing so good yeah it's so personal too you know it's like he he just you know he leads you into this this way he leads you that way you feel this nudge he's inside of us you know god is actually inside of us so it's like that, and that's why I think, too, sometimes when we disconnect the message from just that experience of the person, the point of the message is that you do feel him inside of you, that you feel Papa, Jesus, Holy Spirit. 
and they'll say, oh, this is a, this is something I'm discipling you in. This is something you're going to grow out of, you know, and that communion, that life-giving union and communion, that's, that's discipleship, you know? So anyway, it's beautiful, Jennifer. Anybody else want to share? Like, um, I was thinking like, um, what, what happens a lot though, is that you over, if you're over analyzing everything and you get in your mind and then you're like complicating everything and then you're like trying to think things out yourself and you're trying to get into legalism and you're trying to analyze everything that can get you like really, um, like just, in a like a bad vibe. You just like, but when you're more like just relaxed and enjoying God and that's really good because like, like just drinking, you know, like you say, and, um, because like the whole thing where you're trying so hard that you actually just, you're actually just getting into the whole fear thing because you, you're taking all the scriptures and you're like thinking, man, what if I'm going to miss it? It's like a paranoia. Basically you, you're basically living in the fear religion. So you're going back to the fear religion. So there's lots of ways of going back to the fear religion and they all look different, like in different people. Right. So they all got their own brand. We all got our own ways of, of going back into that fear thing where we, where we triggered by fear, like where we got to try, like, keep legalistic and try analyze it over analyze everything instead it's it's all about love but at the end of the day so we can like try and inspect ourselves and try and be food inspectors and like i used to be the the main food inspector i used to, all the time we try to inspect myself for fruit and oh no i haven't got enough fruit quick do something to get more fruit like okay run here do there oh no panic fear fear god more you know what i mean okay do something more worship more do this more we get into word more okay so you got to do something but then it's like just fear you're just triggered by fear so you basically you're triggered by trauma you're not triggered by love so you're making trauma your god basically so basically like you can live in the in the, in the realm of trauma or you can just say jesus i give you all my trauma and I'm just going to become a lover of you. And then he heals all the trauma inside out. Yeah. I'm reading Michelle O's chat post here. Looks like good stuff. So good, Adrian. One of the things I love that Adrian's mentioning too I was it, in this conversation, whenever we talk about transformation, it's easy, it, you know, there is a tendency, the church has been notorious for being these heavy fruit inspectors, you know, basically analyzers and judgers, you know, and, uh, you know, as we look around, if, if we do notice the speck in our brother's eye, I love what Jesus always reminded us to notice the log in our own eye first, you know, uh, I, I was looking up quotes today from some of the early, uh, patristics, the mothers and fathers of the early church and how often they would say, you know, basically don't look at anybody's faults. If you're going to look at any faults, look at your own, but really taking the focus off of faults altogether and just setting our eyes on Jesus. But if, if red flags do arise, you know, it's not like we need to gloss over it and ignore it, you know, but there's, we, we definitely never want to get back into this, you know, this aggressive fruit inspector state, you know, there's so much glory on just looking at him, looking at Jesus, taking eyes off of self, 
the quickest way to go into a downward spiral is to begin to analyze anybody really other than Jesus, analyze Jesus, look at Jesus <laughs> and then notice that he's the mirror reflection of our true identity. Um, so if we're going to talk about any of this stuff, you know, this is why I rarely do address the subjective, but, um, and what we're talking about is objectively, you are perfect and whole objectively. And that is the truest truth about you, you know, um, but we've noticed some guys that were preaching this objective truth for so long, and obviously they weren't taking it personal, you know, but again, whenever it, we notice that, that speck in somebody else, let's look for the log in our own eye first. Shakira, what do you want to share? Well, I don't know. I like to, I'd like to just call it being a fruit enjoyer because <laughs> it's like the fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? It's not the fruit of Shakira or the fruit of Adrian or the fruit of Matt or any of us, right? None of us have our own fruit. It's all fruit of Holy Spirit. So I don't take any credit for it. So I wouldn't call myself an inspector, but if it's not yummy, I'm not eating it. So I am a fruit enjoyer. So I'm always on the lookout for good fruit. And if I have something set before me that's not good, I'm just not going to eat it. And if that's in a relationship, if that's in a teaching, if there's nothing against that person, it's just not yummy. Doesn't mean they're not perfect and beautiful. <laughs> I'm just not going to eat the fruit. And that's fine. And so I think that it's just, and also I wanted to just earlier, you guys were talking about, you know, just walking up to somebody and saying you're perfect. I remember how hollow that would feel for so many years. People would say that to me and it would be this like gigantic band-aid on my heart. You're just perfect, Shakira. Everything's great. And I would read it in scripture. I would understand it. I read the books. I read the books. I went to the Crowder meetings. I would get drunk in the spirit, but it just felt so empty because it was all about me. I'm perfect. I'm good. Everything's great. You're great. I was totally missing the table with the Trinity. I was totally missing the family communion. I was totally missing out on the party, the real party that, that I belong. And why am I perfect? Oh, because I'm completely dependent on Christ. That means I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to be anything. And there's no performance in any of it. And so oftentimes when you tell somebody you're perfect, they're going to say, even if they think you're just, just the way you are, right? You're perfect just the way you are. Okay, what did I do right then and there to have them say that? Everybody's going to be doing the formula. Everybody is. And it was just such a lonely time in my life. And so I am 100% agree that, yeah, you just meet a person where they're at. You listen to Holy Spirit. You speak the word of the Lord to them wherever they're at. But if if you're if it's not dependent on the work of Christ, it's really going to leave them empty a hundred percent of the time. Woo! Ding ding ding! Shing ding ding! Jesus. I have a thought. Well, yay! Uh, Shakira triggered a thought uh, today. I was shopping for. Kinos food and I 
just kept saying, God loves food. He loves food. And Shakira's saying, I only eat what's good in front of me. And and he he's just he loves to provide good food and good fruit for us to taste and see. And uh, the other thought is uh, um, just, I don't know, it's such a fine line living without an agenda when you're with people, you know, like the agenda is to love, you know, and uh, how, how do we live free to without an agenda you know we want we want them to taste and see the gospel that we want them to hear about Jesus but we don't want to have an agenda and the only way that happens is with when we're just being ourselves with Jesus <laughs> when we're just yeah like uh Jennifer says you know she she just felt Jesus inside of her body, you know, and, uh, and that's that union that we, woo! <laughs> sorry, union's a trigger word for me. Um, <laughs> uh, shura, ba, ba, ba. Lord, I lost my train of thought with that union. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. You just go with the flow. Go with the flow with the Holy Ghost. And um, uh, also, the other thought is, I, I enjoy telling people that I like them, that they're liked, you know, it, and maybe that doesn't equate to them saying that they're perfect man, God really likes them, you know, and, and if they, if they never changed, if they're, if nothing ever outwardly has ever been different, he still likes them, you know, and uh, I, I just, sometimes that's so powerful to people to hear how this person likes me, like, they might not even like themselves, you know, how does this person like me? But that, in a way, that's the gospel, because Christ in you actually likes this person, even when they're being sassy pants, and even when they're being whatever, you know, you're just like, you can just see them with his eyes. And you're just like, you know what? I just like you <laughs> and you don't need to do anything for me to like you. And it just kind of like takes that pressure off. Like, okay, I wasn't doing anything special and I'm liked. All right. That's all. So good. I think part of it too is like this gospel is so full you know, um, sometimes we get honed in on one little part of it, you know, even one, my favorite little bit of you, Lord, you know, my favorite little bit of you, and we share that. And uh, I think that, you know, what's, what's glorious, especially when we open up the conversation is that 
each one of us has a, you know, a, a, an aspect of what Jesus did in his life, death and resurrection, what Jesus expressed to, to share, you know, and sometimes that is just by living it before we preach it, you know, by being that gospel. Um, but sometimes I think, yeah, we have pigeonholed the message a little bit. If we just say like, oh, it's just, you're good. You're perfect. Um, that's part of it, but man, there's a massive thing. I want to bring it back to, uh, to Matt here, Matt. I know you had a bunch of, uh, some cool quotes, some other stuff here. Where, where, which way should we take this, uh, this rabbit oh. trail? Now? I was so hammered. I just didn't even know I had to do something. <laughs> <laughs> you don't, you don't. That's it. <laughs> Well, I, I, I just love what everybody's saying. I, I don't know if I have like, I mean, I guess we could read some fun quotes or something, but I just am enjoying listening to what everybody's saying. Whoa. I'll, I'll look for a quote. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about a couple of uh, quotes, quotes from, uh, well, you had sent me a couple of the Torrance quotes and then a, a couple quotes from across all worlds by Baxter. Um, I will say, I really have appreciated, you know, this is part of the reason why I've loved getting into the Torrance brothers, into some of Baxter's writings for it. Like we were talking about last week, a substantial message, you know, um, for a lot of us, we've only been in this for a few years, sometimes a few months and we're like, Oh yeah, I get it. But this is a rich and like this wasn't this didn't just show up yesterday or 10 years ago, but uh, the message of Christ's finished work, our completion in him, our union, our inclusion in Father, Son and Holy Spirit. It's so vast. Let's all just say the word vast with me. Just say it's a vast gospel. It's a substantial gospel. It's a massive, the implications keep dawning on us. Um, and that's not meant to be, to feel confusing uh, because it's a simple, uh, you know, go, go back through some of these sessions we've done. It's as simple as a little child can get it. You know, it's the union of God and all of God and all of man, the union of heaven and earth. Um, it's simple, but those implications are ridiculous. So point us to one of those quotes, brother, pop, pop something up on the screen for us and we'll feast <laughs> or at least provoke some more conversation. Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> let's see, Lord. Lord, where do you want us to go here? <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Well, I, I mean, I guess I'll just, I'll just try to quote some stuff off of my own memory, but uh, I think it's St. Gregory Nanzianzas. He says, the unassumed is the unhealed. And then the Torrances, what they like to do is they like to like piggyback off of that. And they like to say that there's not any one place within all of humanity that wasn't included in Christ and wasn't healed. So like one of the things that people 
like to say is like maybe there's an area of the human mind or the human heart or the human body that wasn't included in Christ. And there's all these Greek people and Pelagius and some of these guys that that's what they were thinking. But almost all those things that came up as a heresy. And for the reason that if Christ didn't take on all of sinful humanity, then how could we be fully transformed into the image and likeness of God? So like when there's an area where we feel like we're deficient, like maybe we feel it could be anything. That's the area that Jesus actually stepped into and transformed. And so like Baxter, one of the things that he talks about, and there's this fun story in this book, like he has this story about this kid with his, uh, and his dog. And this kid, he has this dog that he wakes up every morning to the dog. Like, he loves this dog. He like rubs this dog down. He's like, he's in love with this dog and this dog's like his best friend. And this dog dies. And so like, he's all sad, you know, he's like 12 years old, you know, it's like the worst occurrence in his whole life, you know, that his dog died and he's crying and he's like buries the dog himself in his backyard and like his whole family knows about it, but nobody comes up to him and says, oh, I'm sorry about your dog. Not a single person says that to him. So he wakes up and he says, I guess I'm not valued and I guess I'm not loved. But those are the areas that Christ steps into. Like he steps into those areas and he says, no, that's not true. You're perfectly valued. Like you're perfectly loved and that you are in the very image of God and you are fully valued. And those things that you heard about not being loved and not being valued, those things are lies. And you are fully accepted in the Godhead. Papa loves you unconditionally. And so those are kind of some cool things that I, I really enjoyed. Like Jesus, he comes into those realities. And he just tells us how loved we are. Um, I had this experience years ago where I, I almost committed suicide years ago, about 12 years ago. No, not that long ago. It was like seven years ago. What am I saying? I was like depressed out of my mind. It was probably one of the hardest experiences of my life. I was like in the car and like, I just, I had, I was just like that kid who thought that he wasn't valued. I had that in my mind. And so I was like an assistant pastor. I had like a great job. I was working like 60 or 70 hours a week, but I was like super depressed, like crazy depressed. And I was like really sad. And we had pieces of the gospel, but I didn't really know everything. I just knew like pieces of it. And I was like sitting in the car and I was like thinking, I'm going to go over and try to figure out what chemical combination to buy at the pharmacy to commit suicide. 
that was like what was going on. And I was like scrolling on Google, like, how do you do this? Like I was Googling that. And I just, I was just, but in my heart of hearts, I was like crying out to God. I knew I was in this place of extreme darkness in my soul. I knew I was in the darkest place. Like I knew something was wrong. I knew all of my belief systems about God were wrong. I knew it. Like I knew it in my heart of hearts. And I, but I didn't know as much as I knew back then. I know now, but God was still with me in that place. Even though I didn't know what I know now, God was still there with me. And I felt like this angel walked in the room, like, well, I'm in this place of just desperation and sadness. And the angels just said one word to me, it's not what you think. And then I saw the angel like disappeared. And so it took me many years to unravel that truth. That's not what you think. I didn't know I was valued. And so God had to unravel that in my heart. You are valued. That is totally a lie. You know, and it's not what you think. Uh, like, there's so many, like, when I, when I, I just, that moment, it's not what you think. It, like, rattled and shook me in a way. I've been thinking about that moment for years. And there's been times where, like, I just been in like these places of extreme darkness, like just sadness. Like I just, just as sad as you can be, you know? Um, and like Jesus like appeared to me in a vision in those places. Like I've had so many visions of Jesus over the last like five, six years. Like I probably had like thousands of visions, like not like tens, like thousands. And in those places, like, and there, usually there's something simple. It's like Jesus, like, like showing up, like in like an image, like, oh, hey, how are you doing? Like, just like a little image in my mind, you know? And usually he'll come up to me and he'll be like, you are valued. You are loved. What you're believing is an absolute lie about yourself. You are wonderful. You are whole. You are holy. And that's that, that light in the darkness. Jesus is the light. In our darkness, like in our darkest hours where we think everything is terrible, those are the areas that Jesus wants to come in and tell us how beautiful we are. And so I don't know, it's just that's my been my personal experience. So like, like, like I just I just feel like sometimes Jesus like wants to evangelize us himself. Like, like, and that's one of the reasons why I just love like Matt's hearing God series and just. The, the hearing God thing is because like sometimes he'll just encourage us. He just wants to encourage us. Like that's not how, right. And you know it. And it's like, we're wrestling with that. We're like wrestling with that. That Like I knew I was depressed and it was wrong. I knew I was suicidal and it was wrong. Like I knew it, but I couldn't just break out of that. Like it's just, it was, I knew there's something better about God. But God started coming in to those dark places and like evangelizing me like you. That's not true. You know, and so I, I mean, he is the happy God, as Adrian says. Whoa. And so, like, I don't know. I just learned to not be obsessed and not afraid about the dark places. Like, I think that's part of like the veneer. It's like sometimes like we're so like. Like, it's not that the goodness of God and we shouldn't be like, we should like, we surely enjoy God, surely enjoy God. Like, 
don't get me wrong, surely enjoy the finished work, surely. But it's like, like sometimes there's parts of our lives that are like in our hearts and we're like, well, God can't touch that area. And that's not the area that God wants to work on. Like maybe that's the area that God wants to tell you that you're with him and it's wonderful. Like, and so that's, I don't know, that's, I don't know if that resonates with anybody, but that's just been my personal walk with the Lord, you know? So beautiful, bro. I love it, man. I think that's, that's the big thing in the, in the conversation we've been having is that every one of us has, it's, it's meant to be personal in a way, you know, like, it's like this, this gospel, this objective finished work of Christ can't become just this information that we ascribe to. So to say, oh, everything's fine. um, And I'm just supposed to say everything's fine while I don't experience that. Well, parts of my heart feel abandoned or even dead and, you know, suicidal, stuck. Um, we're included in Jesus's relationship with the father, but not so that we don't matter. Not so that, you know, I love what Rod says is we, we belong and we matter. We belong in him and we're relating to God in Jesus Christ, but we also matter. And our, our participation and our experience is why he died. Like that we could take it personally. We could feel this truth that we could experience this truth. And I I like that language you're using, Matt, like he's evangelizing these places where we've felt stuck, disqualified, broken. And even though that's not true, we're not stuck. We're not abandoned. We're not broken, but we may feel that way. And that is the darkness. I think when we, when we hear like Baxter talk about, you know, Jesus entering our darkness. It's not the darkness of our, like our, oh, you're evil, you're broken, you're sinful. You may be behaving that way, but the darkness is that you don't see how you in union you are, how loved you are, as Matt says, how even whole you are. So we can just, I think Matt's heart in making that post and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I've, I really feel it you know, making that post the other day, he's saying, let's not just proclaim the finished work as another shallow declaration, but let him make that so personal to every area. You know, the last thing we want is a bunch of people saying the right words and feeling like they want to die in their hearts, you know, God, oh, but Jesus is so so good and so intimate and so real. And even if you're not having 10,000 visions, you know, like Matt may have, you're having experiences. He He's faithful to you. He's, he's making it personal. Holy Spirit is making it personal to each and every one of us. I see some hands up. Let's go ahead, guys. Adrian or Matt or whoever. Really good comments in the chat too. Love this, guys. So beautiful. Yeah, I just like how it uh, changes our um, way of ministering. Oh, yeah. Hi, guys. (laughs) I just kind of got into my thing there. But, yeah, I love you guys. Um, 
yeah, change changes our outlook and ministry, like, and you know, the subjective, like when you see problems that people have, God clearly shows you, you're not going to address it as if that's their identity, but it's like, Hey, you're not feeling love there. You got depression there. Look, here's, here, here's some joy. You know, God loves you so much. He wants to give you joy in that area where you feel sad. Maybe you weren't feeling loved. Here's a hug or something, you know? That's just what I'm thinking. <laughs> I just find like there's, there's so much revelation that God gives. Like, he, like I've been so blessed with like in the last couple of years just by hanging around all the teaching, this good teaching. And, and like you can, it pulls you out of any, whatever you were before, you just change because you're just thinking on the, on the right thinking. You, you're thinking about that you're holy in Christ and you're thinking about all the right things. You're not, you're not busy with all the wrong thoughts and you're reprogramming your brain to, to think right. But also um, it's that you, the finished work also means that you, that the old nature, because one thing about me, I was, I was into all the words about like you've died with Christ. That was part of our, in our, in our church, we believe that, you know, that God loves you and that um, you died with Christ, but it was more like a, I didn't understand it in the proper way. I understood it like it was something that you got to do every day. Like you got to reckon yourself dead. Like it was, a, it was a work, almost like a, like a thing you have to try and do something. If you don't do it, then, but instead of like that, you are just totally, you are totally a new creation. The old is gone. And, and when that becomes like a revelation more than a, than a work and just that rest in it. And then there's like the, you just, the new creation is going to be relevant in your life. And, and that's, and that gives you the power to, to walk in that rest. And then you walk right. There's no longer, you're not looking for that old creation anymore. You're not expecting the old creation anymore. You're not even like, you don't even, it doesn't even feature anymore. It's like, that's gone. It's truly gone. There's like, and and that's that's so important, like to see that goneness of the old creation that it's completely you're not even worried about it. It's like you're just in this new perspective, like in this new realm, the whole new world. And and that the Trinity lives in us, fully lives in us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit fill us, like totally. We're totally filled with them. And sometimes you might not feel like it. I mean, you might be hungry or you might be depressed, or something might have happened, and you might have gone off track, you might have been you know had wrong attitudes or something but as soon as you just rest in jesus and the the fact that you're a new creation in him this there's just like you can just be instantly synchronized again like in experience because you should we should always be walking that experience but uh but i mean like if you and this and god's not condemning us and i mean obviously we can say sorry for you know going off track if we do something off but we can we can synchronize whenever and just synchronize with god we can be we can walk with god like we can know God and walk with him. And just in that revelation of the cross, resting that he's powerful through us, he's doing it through us. And it's not us, it's his power. It's like, it's, but, but the thing is like, before I was always trying to be holy. I was always trying to kill myself, trying to deny myself. Denying self and, 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 and losing the old life. I used to, that was my main doctrine. I used to think about that all day, but I had to think about it. But when you get to the place where you just have a revelation, you, it's not about thinking about it anymore. It's like you just enjoy it. It's like you're just enjoying. It's more. It's more about enjoying than trying so hard to to cultivate this this kind of Christianity that's that's based on yourself. Instead of carrying a backpack back of heavy doctrines around with you that you got to remember all the time, this, all these books you got to carry with you, just throw away the books and just give them to Jesus and just enjoy Him and you're walking with Him. 
So it's no longer the books in your mind only in where you got to try to remember stuff and try to remember that doctrine just to save yourself. No, now it's about like, oh man, you're just in that revelation. It's just, it's just, you're just moving in the Trinity. You're just part of, you're just part of that Trinity. You just, you just part, he's in you, you're in him, you're woven into him. You're just in flowing. You're just in it, in him. Yeah. I love when Adrian shares, whoa, it's the fire hose of revelation. <laughs> I love, I love it too, bro, because you're very, you're, you're like, you're very focused on the fact that it is done on, on that true reality on, you know, the flesh is dead because whenever we start to talk about this, which, you know, I think that the Torrance is, it, it sometimes would call it like the, the retrospective and the prospective aspect of salvation, kind of the fact that it's done and it's, and it's manifesting. Uh, so many of us, because we've been trained, even, even if you weren't, didn't grow up in church and religion, even if you didn't grow up in church or religion, we have a, Western thinking is very linear process based. So we're so used to, if we want to see fruit, what steps do I do? How do I get there? And the reality is by focusing on what we have, what he's done, who he is, the fruit comes. And, and it used the old analogy, you drink the sap and the fruit happens. You know, the sap, keep, keep sucking the sap. Don't try to pop the fruit. Don't try to figure it out. You can't figure out how the tree grows. You don't know how to make it happen. Um, yeah, there's there's simple watering and there's, you know, there's the sun that shines. But our our role is, yeah, abiding in the vines, too. Abiding and the fruit pops. And abiding is relational. It's experiencing that love is like Maddie's saying. Just letting Papa love you, just noticing his love. He's showering. He's going to be, he's going to be very specifically putting his finger in certain areas of our heart and discipling us in that. But it's always discipling us retrospectively back to the person and work of Christ. Not here's how you need to follow Christ's example. Here's how you need to die here's how you need to grow here's how you need to you 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 it's not back on you it's outside of self it's 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 inside but it's other other centered other focused oh, anyway and there is great fruit man you guys can testify See, I came out of the background where there was just too much focus on, yeah, on me, too much focus on the subjective, too much focus on how to make things happen. And when I heard the finished work in 2008, I don't know, it just, it didn't turn me back onto myself. It didn't, it didn't make me, I, all I can say is the fruit's been amazing. Like I, I feel, I want to serve. I love loving people. I love giving my money away. I love living for the those that are less fortunate i love living for my brothers and sisters in the church and community like 
laying my life down is ecstatic. In fact, that's what ecstatic means to be outside of yourself, you know? So uh, that's what the gospel has produced in me. But there is something to not just allowing it to be this doctrinal message, but it's like, this is my life now. This is reality with a capital R. Uh, and it's reality for me. Shoo. We're talking a bit about kind of the practical outflow of the gospel, like how the gospel produces sanctification, how the gospel produces just life transformation. Um, I'm going to look back, bro, at some of those quotes you sent me today, Maddie B, because I think they're good conversation provokers. Uh, let's see if I can pull these out of our texts. Unless you already have them, but. Let me see here. Ooh, there they are. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to save these. You sent me photos of uh, so these are some good torrents uh, quotes. All right, I'll pop some of these up on the screen for us here. Woo! So we were talking about flesh, the flesh, right? The meaning of flesh. The word was made flesh, but what is meant by flesh? John means that the word fully participates in human nature and existence, for he became man in becoming flesh, true man and real man. He was so truly man in the midst of mankind that it was not easy to recognize him as other than man or to distinguish him from other men. He came to his own. Ooh, his own received him not. He became a particular man, Jesus, who stands among other men, unsurpassed, but unrecognized. That is the way he became flesh, by becoming one particular man. And yet this is the creator of all mankind, now himself become a man. But are we to think of this flesh, which he became as our flesh? Are we to think of it as describing some neutral human nature in existence or as describing our actual human nature in existence in the bondage and estrangement of humanity fallen from God and under divine judgment? It was certainly into a state of enmity that the word penetrated in becoming flesh into darkness and blindness, that is, into the situation where light and darkness are in conflict, where his own receive him not. There can be no doubt that the New Testament speaks of the flesh of Jesus as the concrete form of our human nature marked by Adam's fall. The human nature which is seen from the cross is at enmity with God and needs to be reconciled to God. In becoming flesh, the word penetrated into hostile territory, into our human alienation and estrangement from God. This is super good. This is getting into, I think if, if we miss some of this stuff and we just start declaring everybody's perfect, everybody's good, everybody's holy, 
we missed the fact that there was something significantly wrong going on in human nature. This isn't just Jesus showing up and saying, oh, there was never an issue. No, Jesus became fallen flesh. The fall was in our minds, first of all, but then it infected us like a cancer. Like sin was growing in us like a cancer. So we're not just showing up in the gospel and saying, oh, yeah, everybody's perfect. Everybody's holy. Without mentioning that Christ assumed fallen human nature and transformed it. And until we see that, we're not going to walk in it. Until we behold the man, until we behold the God man, God, fully God, fully man. If we're just declaring goodness, it will be a, a shallow, um, superficial, like a Lady Gaga, I was born this way type of goodness. You know, it'll just be a, a Hollywood, everybody's fine, there's no issue. Jesus Christ assumed an alienation, a cancer, uh, a, a, a real sin with a capital S that had become a governing entity over us. So as we proclaim the gospel, we're proclaiming that. And we're also saying to ourselves, don't just um, gloss over any issue, but look at Jesus and see how he has brought heaven and earth together. Behold him, not just intellectually, but contemplatively in your being, that you feel his virtue begin to re-identify you with a new world. Because that old world was had significant issue. That There was an old fallen world. And if you're still associated with that, there will be torment, trauma, pain everywhere you go. You're hurting everyone. Your relationships all fail. You go from sickness to sickness, from darkness to darkness. But if you behold the man, commune with him tangibly, then your life is a whole new world of goodness. Does that make sense? I think this is part of, you know, in, in proclaiming a substantial gospel, there becomes transformation out of that darkness, not simply declaring that darkness to be, oh, everything's fine. It's all fine, brother. You know? <laughs> okay. Well, I, can I add something small? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's just um, in that whole new world, oh, God is trying to tell us that we're not, even, even if there's like some, let's say you're like in sin, brother, you know, you're in sin, you're a sinner, you know, like you're messing up, you're a mess up, you know, like, like, I think one of the things that happens is, is that immediately people start running to like, oh, 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 he's in sin, oh, 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 you know, and that's like the whole message of Genesis, like one through two, right, or three or whatever, it's like, oh, 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 Papa's against us. Oh, 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 Papa don't like us. Oh, 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 duck and cover, duck and cover. God does not like us. You know, and I think that's, um, I think that's like, like that's the that's the issue. Whenever the S word comes up, it's always pop, 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 pop. And so, like, nobody wants to talk about that in church because, like. You know, it's just it's just not fun. One, I don't like talking about it either. <laughs> it's not fun for me. I, I don't enjoy it. 
<laughs> but two, it's, I think, I think we just, it, 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 it actually speaks more to our vision of who we think God is. Like, is God like the Zeus God who's ready to strike you dead? Is he ready with his bolts, ready to frap fry you in the pit of hell every time you make a mistake? You know, or is he, is he like the loving God who fully accepted you and is actually trying to change your mind? Like, I love this stupid quote. And I see it all the time over Facebook. I know it's dumb, but I actually really enjoy this meme. It says, you know, it's like the meme starts off with like, like, like the religious God, you know? Oh, don't say anything or dad will find out. And then it'll say like the true God, I better work this out with dad because he's going to help me out. You know, it's like that vision. And it's like, I, I just wanted to just say that because like this whole topic, it's about our view of how good God is. Like that's the whole issue with sin. It's not the Ten Commandments. Like people have it completely wrong. The issue is just like, does daddy love me? Does he care about me? Does he want me in his life? Or do I got to do all of this myself? And I think that that's the message of Jesus Christ. He comes down. He condescends into our humanity. He goes into the lowest pit of hell, the worst thing of our life. It says that he was tempted in every way like man, but yet without sin. So he goes through every single problem that we have. So there's no poop or pee that Jesus didn't see. He saw all the poop and pee. He knows what like he knows our problems he knows our frailties and so and but he doesn't just leave us there as matt's saying uh, so eloquently with torrents he doesn't leave us there he scoops us up into his humanity holds us into his heart and transforms us into the very image of god seats us at the right hand of the father and says that you are beloved and I think that that's, that's like a bigger view of the conversation. It's like, whoa. It's like these guys, they want to have the conversation, whoa, like taste not, touch not, handle not. But that's like the Galatian bewitchment. It's not about just doing all the right things and avoiding all the wrong things. And then God loves you. No, God has always loved you. And doing all the right things and avoiding all the wrong things, that comes through a renewed heart, that you are dead with Christ, that you are risen with him, and that all of those feelings of insecurity and sadness and all those ability, those trying to do it myself kind of mentalities, they've been put to death on the cross, and they've been resurrected in him. And Jesus is coaching us through this by the Holy Spirit. He doesn't just leave us alone like, oh, yeah, you got it. Let's just hear the message and you got to figure it out. No, Holy Spirit comes down and descends into ourselves and embraces us, shows us what Jesus is really like. Oh, yeah, that little sin that you think you had, well, psst, Jesus took care of it. And you hear that like in the back of your, psst, Jesus he, he took care of that. Psst. 
you're actually valuable. Whoa, you're loved. And you hear that in the bottom of your heart. You don't have to run. You can rest. You're loved. And you just embrace that voice. Embrace that voice. You embrace that voice in the scripture. You embrace that voice in wonderful leaders like Matt and, you know, Katie and other people. You embrace that voice in your own heart. And the mind starts shifting. Whoa, I'm actually okay. This isn't a problem. Like, I shouldn't be depressed. It doesn't make sense because God's throwing a party for me. It doesn't make sense because he thinks I'm valuable. And those lies, those little wounds and things that we think we're dealing with, Jesus silences the voice of the accuser. He silences those voices. He starts speaking into those realities. Hey, hey, you. Hey, you with the blue shirt. Yeah, you. You're loved by God. You're okay. And those little voices that Jesus says in the midst of our life, that's the that's Jesus's light in our darkness. He's evangelizing us. We can trust that voice. When we hear the good voice in our heart, that's not a lie. That's God himself speaking to you, letting you know that you're loved, like letting you know that you're embraced, letting you know that you're wonderful. You are a wonderful person, and it's not a made-up reality. It's not just a tacked-on suit. That's not tacked on. That's real. Yes. Shabba ding-dong. Cheers. Cheers. Drink to that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love it. He's always throwing a party for us even and especially in those moments where we feel like we're messing up, where we are messing up, where we hurt ourselves or others, you know? And I, I think that's the only reason we even bring this stuff up anymore. I, I, I don't know about you, but I left that mentality a long time ago that God was keeping a record of wrongs, right? Or that God was trying to count me out by, for my mistakes so, you know, if he doesn't remember my sin anymore, then there's no reason for me to remember it. But we bring it up because it still hurts others. It still hurts ourselves, others. It still has effects. So we're like, obviously, we don't want to live it any, anymore, but not because Papa is going to stop the party. He is celebrating us, dancing with us. And this is what I love, and I've mentioned this several times, and I keep bringing it up, but one of the emphases that Baxter always brings up is that this gospel isn't about us, you know, the cross being the bridge where we can get over to God, but the gospel is that when we fell into the depths of the valley, when we're sitting in hell of our own making, that we did, that we caused that Jesus goes into that hell and he's there with us and he's sitting with us and he's transforming that. He, he doesn't, he, it doesn't offend him in the least. In fact, it attracts him into it, you know, and that's the substantial gospel. So it's like, man, that message there will keep us from the fake veneer Christianity 
will keep us from the shallow pretending. Um, we can come out of hiding. We can, we can stop pretending. We can stop sewing the fig leaves on and putting on more makeup and a bigger smile on Sunday morning. <laughs> this isn't joker Christianity, but we all have to put a smile on that face. <laughs> but we can look into each other's eyes hey, and say he is celebrating us right now. He's celebrating you. He's with you. Even if you committed 55 sins today. <laughs> Woo! This is our God. This is the gospel. He's in that place. And that's the darkness. I think sometimes we've been using the word darkness lately and Baxter uses that word and but we don't mean the darkness of like you're you're evil, you're you're a sinner, you're you have a sinful nature. We're talking about the darkness where we have been blinded and therefore we're hurting ourselves and others. Um, it's, you know, like uh, what it says um, when Jesus is speaking over Peter, the gates of hell shall not prevail against this. You know, he says the gates of Hades, the gates of not seeing. Hades means to not see, to be in darkness, to not be able to see. Um, these places where we get confused, where we get stuck, that, that's the darkness. When we don't see the finished work, when we don't see, we're not, we're, we're not beholding Christ, but we start beholding ourselves and we start, you know, destroying ourselves and others. Not because we're sinners, but because we believe that we were alienated and because we had embraced a false identity. That's the darkness, you know. So Jesus comes into it with us. That's the substance. But then, see, some, this is part of it too. Some, there are some, like, it's, it's popular right now. Um, I can think of four or five big name preachers right now that are talking about Jesus entering our darkness, but they don't ever mention him transforming it. Um, and that's, that's the beauty of the finished work is that he already transformed it. And now in time and space, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he steps into those places to wake us up, to liberate us, to lift us. And the Torrance has mentioned this in several places that, you know, he, he steps into this place, you know, it, in, in his death, he entered into our darkness and in his resurrection and his ascension, he lifts us into a new existence. So it's not just that he joined us there, but he gives us all the light, the shining light. That's why I love that movie, uh, What Dreams May Come, because he enters our hell. He doesn't just enter our hell. In, in the movie, he transforms and, and takes us out of that place. He doesn't just leave you there. Oh, because there's so many Christians. I can't even tell you how many Christians feel like, okay, they, they start to believe God can love me in my darkness, but he, but they, they have no hope for transformation. They're kind of like, it's kind of that concept of, well, we're forgiven and that's the best that we have, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, thank God we're not just forgiven. And he didn't just join us. Although him just joining us would be enough because he is heaven and he is light. So him joining us transfers all of his virtue to us. Um, 
But again, there's just been, there have been people that have heard this message of union, but just haven't pondered the implications, haven't seen the personal uh, subjective implications of if Jesus joined us there, whoa, if he runs to us in our struggle, uh, if he reveals himself present and celebrating and dancing over us in our struggle, then that struggle will not remain a struggle for long. Amen. <laughs> but if you're still in the struggle or if you find yourself in the struggle, please don't just pretend. Don't just put on the face, the mask, but sit there with him. Feel the virtue. Feel that thing. If you find yourself in a place where you're like, man, I'm having, I'm having suicidal thoughts. How did I get here? How do I feel so stuck? I'm having thoughts of hurting people. I want to sin. I'm like, uh, don't, you know, don't just pretend and say, well, I'm a finished work believer, but feel Abba, Jesus and Holy Spirit in that place. Notice them, notice them dancing over you. Notice them dancing with you, revealing light, revealing light. They won't leave you in that place for long. They're going to transform it. Uh, the, the ashes become beauty. The, the desert becomes a spring. But don't pretend it's a spring yet if you're not feeling it. You know, uh, that's that's what the world hates most about Christians is the pretend the pretending crap that we've done so often. You know, that and our judgments, which are all so connected. You know, but there is real drunkenness Ooh, when we notice him in in every valley. Whoa, every valley gets raised up. Every crooked place becomes straight. Uh, hallelujah. Woo. This is fun. It's fun, fun stuff and real substance, a real substantial gospel. Who knew? Who knew the honey wasn't shallow, but the honey was an ocean with endless depth. Ugh. Any further thoughts, boys and girls? Um, Adrian, yeah, like like even trying to be real though, that can also become a work in itself. You can try yeah, so hard to be authentic. Like you're trying so hard all the time to be real and you, you striving and becomes, a, it becomes a whole religion in itself. That's true, bro. And, and there's a lot of people in the world that are super real. They're super nice people and they're super authentic. They're super real. They've got no, you know, they've got no vices or anything. They're awesome people, but it's all in their own strength. And there's just no life in it. It's just like, it's not this, it's great, but it, it's, it hasn't got that resonance of God, of the Trinity. There's something about where you give it over to Jesus and he does it through you. That's just way beyond any psychologist or super positive thinker. Because I've been to those, I used to do sales and stuff where you do have these positive thinking guys. They train you and they come and they do all these things and they've got this like Eastern kind of thinking and they bring it in. And it's all great. They become wonderful people. They amazing people and stuff to hang around and stuff. But there's just something missing. There's just, there's just, Jesus isn't there. He's just, it's just empty. There's no glory. There's no whack. There's no power. And so you can have all that, you can have all the performance stuff. And then you can be trying so hard to be this authentic person. But even that becomes a, a work of the flesh. It's just, if it's just you, if you don't see Jesus in, in the union you know, and the rest. Yeah. Come on, bro. It, well, and what's also funny is the phrase being real because. Sometimes we've thought that being real was admitting problems, which that may be the start of it. 
that that may be like the beginning of it that at, at first yeah but the realist reality is our life in christ that's actually real so but sometimes people will just proclaim it you know especially if you grew up under some pressure to always name it and claim it or say the right word just keep saying it keep keep say it you know uh, then there could be this fakeness to what we're proclaiming in Christ. Like you just proclaim the 100 in Christ truth over and over. And there's the only things you're allowed to say, but ultimately what is true in Christ is the realist reality. So, you know, everybody today, because of the fakeness of, I think there was several decades previous where, you know, you, we look at eighties televangelists and the nineties televangelists. And it's like, is there anything more fake than that? You know, so as almost as a response to that, the current generation has been like, yo, man, I'm just, I'm effed up, bro, but I'm real about it. You know, like, okay, that's the start, but what's the truest truth about you? Like, it, it, at least it's good to admit some struggle, but there's something deeper about you. There's something more true about you than that. And that's what's true in Christ. So, but it's, it's experiencing that uh, richly. Shakira, what did you want to say? I love when you share. Well, this is kind of a personal thing, Revelation. I was wondering if I should share it because I, I'm just going to share. It's a little vulnerable, but I'm going to share. It's about this scripture that I've read for so many years, and it always kind of insulted me. And then recently I read it, and I saw it totally different. It's the one about the Gentile woman that came to Jesus. I'm sure you guys, maybe all of you have seen it this way, but this was new for me. So I'll just share it. She came to Jesus and she was like, um, you know, heal my daughter. And she's a Gentile. Like her place in that system was not a good thing. And Jesus said, well, can I give the bread to the dogs? And she said to him, well, even the dogs get the crumbs from the master's table. And he like proclaimed her faith as being really, really great. And I think to me, that speaks of being real, but also trust knowing his goodness, because we can be real about what's going on with God. But no, it doesn't matter what's happening right now. You're good. Like I might be a dog right now. I'm the time might not be for my people. I might know right now that this is not me. This is not the time for me, but I don't care because you're good. I know that you're good. You're above what I am right now. You're above what I'm struggling with. You're above what I'm thinking. You're above your goodness reigns over all of that, all of the darkness. And I think that's the best way to be real in this because you can be real like, yeah, I'm struggling, but you're better than that. You're better than my struggle. You're bigger than my struggle. And so, and then her daughter was healed. And I just think that I go to that all the time. So, you know, that's how I like to be real anyway. Come on. I love that. So good. Yeah. I think, I think that's so important with when we're talking about being real, because uh, we, it, we still sometimes can just feel like the brokenness is the realest part. You know, people are like, man, that guy really spoke the truth and he was really honest. And like, that honesty is is great but if you're if you honestly think that your struggle is the truest truth about you 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 just wow that's just sad actually you know <laughs> but what some people do in response to that is then they try to cover it up and you know um we just the realest thing about you is who you are 
in daddy in in jesus and i love how you said that shakira just so personally to you um, i think each and every one of us get to have like real personal experiences like that where like, like maddie and i were talking about earlier this is this message is caught uh more than just taught we can all try to say it right but then all of a sudden you're like oh my god i experienced this like I get to be honest with the Lord and then he defines me with something greater. So, so good. Matt, what were you going to share? Matty B. Yeah. Hey, I, I just also wanted to like talk a little bit about fruit inspection. <laughs> you know, the greatest reality. <laughs> and also just like, but really just more like, how does this play out? Like with their pals, you know? And I, I think, you know, one level, like, we're all going to run into issues where people annoy us. <laughs> I know I get annoyed by people, you know? Um, and I think one of the things that we've emphasized so well, and Matt's emphasized so well, and I think it's really important, is that, yeah, the real reality is, is they aren't annoying. Like, they're whole in Christ, you know? Um, that they're beautiful, that they're lovely, that they're fully accepted by the Father. But that doesn't mean that, we can't set up boundaries. That doesn't mean that we can't talk to them about it because the wholeness of the truth is that that, that superficial reality that they're walking in, which is being mean or whatever it is, was dealt with in Christ. So we have to start at that place sometimes, depending on who you're dealing with, right? So, hey, listen, bro, you're saying a lot of bad stuff you're trash talking me man like that's not cool you're, you're trash talking you know like we might have to start there in the conversation depending on who, who who it is but then we that's not where we leave them that doesn't make them a bad person they just don't they haven't woken up in their trash talking to jesus right so we might tell them like hey listen i don't really appreciate the trash talking but i do think you're an awesome person and it doesn't mean that you're not loved by god and, and so on so we might start there and then if we have opportunity if we're close we can evangelize them a little bit we can say hey you know i know that really the reason why you're saying all these things is cuz you're jealous of me but god's given you everything that he's given me and you're so loved in that area and it doesn't matter you know and so we might have that opportunity but not all the time are we going to have that opportunity so some of the time we can set up a, a you know we can we can set up a boundary some of the time we can just let it go we'll just be like hey I'm just letting this go. They're going to get over this. They're just having a bad day. I don't even need to talk about this. This is not something I need to talk about, right? Tomorrow, they're going to, they just didn't sleep enough. I know that their dog's barking at them, whatever it is. <laughs> and then tomorrow, they're going to be fine, right? Uh, that's fine. So there's just some practical things, right? But the, the core of it, is that Christ has dealt with all of those problems in his humanity. And he's transformed them into the very image of God. So we can see them with the heart of the Father. 
we can see them beyond their shallow current issue. But at the same point, there's practical things, I think, with just dealing with them that we should, you know, be aware of because we're, you're valuable too. You're not supposed to be trampled on. You're not supposed to be hurt and kicked around. That's not God's heart for you. God's heart for you is not for you to be a punching bag. That's not who you are. You know, you're beautifully and wonderfully made, you know? So it's okay to back off sometimes. It's okay to say, that's enough of that. It's okay to say, uh, you know what, uh, let's have this conversation tomorrow. You know, and in an extreme case, it's okay to like with the counsel of other people in the council of Holy Spirit to say, you know what, we're not going to, we're taking a break. And when you're ready to treat me right, we're going to, we'll talk. And that's on you. You know, that's an extreme case and it doesn't always happen, but it does happen. Right. So it's just some practical things, you know, Does, does that help people? I think it's great to, to bring up some of this stuff too, man, because sometimes people hear this message. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of times, I'll be honest with you, people don't even get the, that we are complete in Christ yet. I think it still blows our minds. But then sometimes people do start to actually get the message. And then they think, well, because everybody's perfect, then we're never allowed to confront anything. We can't put up any boundaries. Um, everything everybody is doing is all good always, you know, or I have to, I have to find a way, like the only problem is if I think somebody else has a problem. So I become the problem there for every time, <laughs> like the, the, the perfection mentality can really mess with some people. So I love that you're bringing that pastoral stuff in there, Matt. And here's something that's always helped me so much. Um, the way that Paul dealt with the Corinthian church. Uh, I love, and, and all of Paul's epistles. So some of what we're talking about tonight is how once the gospel has been proclaimed, does it ever address specific issues? Or do we just keep telling everybody that they're whole and complete? But I love that Paul would always start with every epistle that he wrote was, first of all, in relationship. He had relationship with these churches. He wasn't just shooting his mouth off on Facebook. You know, he wasn't just writing a book to random people to tell the world how it is. But a lot of the times when Paul was writing this stuff, he was like a father to them, really. I mean, he was in, in really a family member um, and not like a father that lords it over them. But he was like a family member, um, a brother, a sister with these people. He was in deep relationship. But then. Uh, he always starts with the first few chapters are just the gospel, finished work, revelation, you know, First uh, Corinthians 1, Ephesians 1, Philippians 1, Colossians 1. It, the first half of many of the books were just, just the person and work of Christ laid out. And I think whenever we're dealing with anybody, that's, you know, the, it's not just a part that we need to balance. It's the lens. It's the entire context. It's the entire substance. But then the later chapters of Corinthians and, and you know, most of the epistles, he does get into specific stuff saying, you know, stop sleeping with your mother-in-law, you know, like stop, stop being a butthead, you know, don't be a little turd. Um, and he addresses it particularly and specifically. 
But I love how he starts First Corinthians. You know, the Corinthian church was the one that was the most messed up, man, of all of them. And if you f- ever feel like you're the most messed up, or if you ever feel like somebody you're dealing with, your community, someone close to you, it's very practical. You know, here's how Paul started out by addressing them. He says, First Corinthians 1, 4, I give thanks to God always for you. <laughs> because the grace of God was given to you in Jesus and in every way you were enriched in him. If that's not our lens, if that's not our context, then we're relating to them outside of the gospel and there's never any fruit. But Paul relates, he always makes the context the message. He says, I thank God always for you. These are the people that were sleeping with temple prostitutes, bringing them into church, like not to evangelize them, to sleep with them. He, these were the people that were sleeping with family members. I mean, it's extreme, crazy, weird stuff was going on. Like, and Paul was very real with them. He addresses it, but he starts by layering chapter after chapter at first, verse after verse by saying, I thank God always for you. I'm thankful for you. You're still good. I still love you. I still like you. As my wife says, I like you. You know, I, I'm thankful for you because in every way you're enriched in all speech and all knowledge as the testimony about Christ is confirmed among you. He's saying, I don't doubt that you're in Christ. You're in Christ. You're still in, you're an insider, not treating you like an outsider. You're not verse seven says chapter one, seven says you're not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus, who will sustain you to the end guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, because God is faithful. So he, he just brings it to Jesus. He said, I'm thankful for you because you're in Jesus. You've been given everything. You are enriched. But then also he spends chapter after chapter later saying, you know, chapter three, he's like, you're disunified. You know, chapter four, he starts getting into why. And by chapter seven, he's like, the sexual stuff has got to stop you weirdos, you know, (laughs) but I'm thankful for you because you're in Christ. You're not an outsider. Um, There are no outsiders. There is nobody who is in lack. There's no one outside the grace of God. You're complete. You're enriched in every way. Uh, I think that's intensely practical guys, like looking at how Paul dealt with it. It's so it's relational it's pastoral, it's gospel founded and permeated. And then also it addresses things and it sets up boundaries if need be. And it confronts, you know, um, but it's within everyone's an insider, everyone's in union, everyone's enriched, everyone's whole, everyone's complete. So, shoo, glory. I feel like we should wrap this one up. I'm actually going to pick someone up from the airport here soon. Our people are starting to fly in. Uh, one of our European buddies, Core, Core the Dutchman, is flying in tonight. I'm going to pick him up. Um, are there any final comments though here before we uh, before we sign off? We won't be meeting this Sunday except here in person. If you come out to Fort Quack, um, we will be back next Wednesday though. Uh, we'll do Monday prayer parties. 
but uh, we're taking the Sunday off. We alternate those anyway. Uh, any final comments? I see Adrian's hand up. Yeah, oh, let's. It's more like an enormous can of worms that's um, opening up right oh, at the yeah. end. But, Are we ready so for this? <laughs> maybe, maybe it could be a continue till next week kind of thing. Like, sure. yeah. Um, but it's like um, I'm still trying to figure out, and I've been trying to figure this out. And I'm still baffled. Um, how do you preach the gospel now? Because like before, you're preaching the gospel, threaten you with lightning bolts and hell and, and all that stuff. And, and then, you know, preach the love of God and, you know, dangle them over the fire. And then, okay, reel them in, you know, dangle them over the fire and then reel them into God's love and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But And then now it's like you don't have all that. You just It's just like Jesus loves you, but what do you, where do you go? Like, I, don't, I, don't, I haven't got a clue how to preach the gospel anymore. I'm like, I don't know. I'm totally clueless. I mean, I suppose I, to ask Jesus, but... I'm still trying to figure it out. I haven't, I haven't got any, I'm trying, I'm not getting very far in, in, in terms of the way I used to preach. Cause I always used to try and evangelize someone and win them to Jesus and preach the Romans road and how sinful they are and how they got to need Jesus and how they got to come and pray the sinner's prayer. And, and, and I mean, I still watch people doing it all the time and they're winning thousands of souls to Jesus in their churches. And I'm trying to figure out <laughs> are how they? does that fit in? Cause I'm, I, I, I can't see the connection anymore. It's like, the sin, that the sinners' prayers that they I'm studying their sinners' prayer and it just it doesn't quite match what I'm what I'm seeing now. It's like how do I how do I reconcile this gospel in terms of preaching to the lost and those who don't know Jesus and who I've got no idea how to preach the gospel anymore. That's what I'm saying basically. <laughs> <laughs> well, bro, a lot of what you've been saying tonight already was preaching the gospel, man. You know, um, I think it's just sometimes that old. Uh, box is still there we think okay it's it's supposed to be like two simple statements and then uh wrap it up and bring it get them saved um but preaching the gospel is just declaring the person and work of christ who is jesus what has he done for all once and for all i think what we've been going over these last 14 weeks in this what is the gospel just like you would say it to another believer because everyone's just as an insider as everyone in this group so you can you can proclaim the stuff that we're talking about tonight. Even um, it's a rich and substantial message, you know. Uh, but just as we say it to one another, you can say it to a random person on the street the same way, you know. Um, and I like to look at how Jesus preached it. What did Jesus say? He said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He demonstrated it with healing and supernatural love, deliverance. He demonstrated it and he declared the kingdom of heaven is at hand and that's it. And that's a rich and substantial message. And you might want to unpack it a little bit, say like, what is the kingdom of heaven? Oh, it's because Jesus came to earth. He absorbed the old into his body, he took the old into the grave. He killed the old you. He gives you the new you. Now you get to live in heaven on earth in union with God. You know? Yeah, exactly. The, the epistles of Paul proclaim the gospel. Um, so just like the stuff we've been talking about, uh, I think it's totally okay to throw out the old box of the four spiritual laws, the sinner's prayer and all that stuff, you know, and just proclaim this beautiful gospel, which is, you know, heaven and earth united in the person of Jesus Christ, the new creation reality. Tell them about that, which as we're talking about tonight naturally says that the old world was causing death and destruction there's we're not just calling the old world good 
We're proclaiming a new world in Christ. There's a new creation and you're already included. Sometimes I like to just say to people, hey, welcome to heaven. You made it by no efforts of your own. You're in Christ. Tell them what they've won. You know, <laughs> you just start to tell people about the new life, you know, and the new world. And if they have a prayer request or something or some struggle, you pray with them. They see God move in that specifically. And then, boom, that confirms the message that you're saying, you know. But I'd say, bro, you're already a good preacher of the gospel. Just tell people what you tell us every week, you know, <laughs> when we fellowship with you, bro, you're overflowing with good news and be, and be the gospel. You know, you just say what Jesus has already done for you and what you've seen. People always relate to that personal touch, that person. I mean, what Maddie shared tonight, what Matt shared about his experience where, you know, his, he was struggling with suicidal thoughts and Jesus met him there and gave him visions and and uh, you start sharing that stuff, the personal things. And people are like, wow, like, would God want to do that for me? And you're like, yes, he already did in Christ and he wants to make it personal. And uh, yeah, anyway, and it's going to be different through each and every one of us. Don't be intimidated that you have to look like somebody else. I think that's one of the biggest humps that we we get stuck at. We're like, I, I guess I need to be like Todd White or I need to be like Benny Hinn or I need to be like Ray Comfort or I don't know who, you know, you might be. And, uh, just be yourself. Jesus. Well, I mean, you. <laughs> yeah, like, I was, I've been overthinking it, but I'm still, I'm still confused how, because I mean, as when you're like in the world, you don't really understand any of this stuff like properly. You don't see it in Revelation where you, so isn't there a need for something to, to show people their need for Christ in terms of, because it was always like, you know, the, the sin side is to show the need for Christ. Um, but I mean, to, the, I mean, it was always to create and you create a need and then you bring Jesus in, but is that completely wrong? Isn't there something truth in that? I mean, the sin side and the, isn't there something that we need to share about that as well, that maybe we're missing out on, maybe we're going too much grace and there's not enough of that. I mean, it's got to be something of that as well. Is there, um, that's what I'm thinking. Maybe I'm overthinking it, but, yeah, I don't know. Well, there's never too much grace, bro. I encourage you to. <laughs> no, no, I don't, I don't mean like that. Like, you I mean, know that. You know that. I mean, I, know I meant like, I meant like. Th that Should we mention the other side? Yeah. Yeah, like the, there is, is a, there is a thing where you got to, you you can't come to God and and come with your sin. You know what I mean? You got to lay it down. You know what I mean? You got to leave behind the, the old life. You know what I mean? There's a there's an aspect of that that's, I mean, we've been taught all our lives, but, I mean, you you. You don't want to you don't want to hammer them, but at the same time, there is a lot of stuff there that that is important to know. I mean, to become a Christian, there's sure. kind of like so. How do you do relate all that in a simple way to a brand new person who's totally got no clue of any terminology that you're talking about, any any doctrinal stuff? They're just completely in the world. They don't have they haven't been to church once in their whole lives. How do you relate that in a simple way, and 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 still not just preach a patch on like grace that's just a patch over their lives like like matt was saying in a real way that, that relates to where they are at how do you how do you do that so that's so i'm still trying to figure out the, the balance there yeah. mm -hmm. well and and i think part of it too is that there is no pat answer you know there is no pat one way to do it like we all need to become good listeners you know, when we talk to anybody and if we're meeting someone for the first time on the street or something, we're sharing the gospel. It's like listening to where they're at, uh, that the, the church has been 
we felt like we just were pushing something a lot of times because there was this urgency, either pressure to to get numbers so that people think we're a good minister or fear of them going to hell. But what if we just sat with people and listened to them? And then, yeah, we share we begin to share about Jesus, you know, sharing about Jesus will always be relevant. But then once you've listened to somebody, you can actually share where Jesus, you know, maybe somebody thinks that, you know, their life of sin is just great. I mean, most people don't, though. I'll be honest with you. I think most people are struggling in some way. So when you begin to share that Jesus gives us heaven and himself for free, I mean, that touches a lot of people. There are those few, I think, that are just bold in their sin and they think, yeah, man, whoa, dude sleeping around and getting rich is what it's all about, bro. You know, or whatever, you know, dude, drug, sex and rock and roll. That's all life is, you know? So maybe, but if you listen to them and we start out from a place of listening, I think it's, it's really beautiful. We'll find a way to proclaim the kingdom of heaven is at hand that Jesus Christ has given us heaven on earth, but it's so personal. Jennifer, what did you want to share? Oh, your is yours a practical question about something else or? Yeah. <laughs> oh I yeah, just, yeah, yeah. I I don't know what the address is. Like, I oh, I have okay. a place to stay. I I just don't know what the address is. Like, where are we meeting? I'll send you all that info um, on a oh. on Messenger. It's also all in the uh, Kainos Quinania event page. Uh, if you type that in, but I'll I'll message you later with. Oh, it. okay. Everything, sure, sure, no problem. Okay. Yeah, so happy you're coming. Yay. Me too. <laughs> yeah, let's let's uh, let's if if we want to talk more about that evangelism question, let's take that uh, let's take that in one of these next sessions. I think basically what we've been preaching the gospel for the last fourteen weeks, so it's all just saying that same stuff. You can say that to anybody, but. Uh, if we listen to people, we know how, which area, which aspect of Jesus Christ is really relevant to them. You know, the Holy Spirit will give us discernment, personal ways, just like Jesus didn't heal anybody the same way. Sometimes he told them to go wash in the pool. Sometimes he spit. Sometimes he laid hands. Sometimes, you know, it was all through the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, and we are all full of Holy Spirit. That's what the thing is, too, you know, when Jesus said, uh, when, you go, when you're brought before kings, you know, the words will be given to you in that moment. So anyway, so good. I love that question, though, because there's a lot of grace evangelists about to be released. Amen. Woo, grace and glory evangelists. We're not saying that evangelism is not necessary. I'm more excited than ever to do evangelism. It's super fun. Uh, it's awesome to tell people good news and, uh, yeah. Anyway, guys, this was so good tonight. Thanks for joining. Big thanks to Maddie B. Can we all just extend our hands toward our brother? Just woo. We love you, man. Always good when you join and provoke us. Appreciate you, brother. And, uh, <laughs> is that Kenneth Copeland behind you? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> Yeah, that's a drunk Kenneth Copeland picture. <laughs> I, I do like drunk Kenneth Copeland a lot. <laughs> oh my god, those those oh, nine uh, uh, ever so good. 
Well, so good to see you guys. Um, pray for us this weekend, too. We're going to be fellowshipping with people from around the world, encouraging Glory Community, encouraging to live this new creation, finished work message out in communities. So it's our biggest gathering of the year. We got a lot of details, ins and outs, people flying in, meals we're organizing, housing, all those goodies. So excited to see those of you that are coming out. And if you can't make it, you're with us in our hearts. You're in our communion never ends. Ooh. And good stuff. These conversations are by no means coming to an end. If there's anything you want to comment on more, we, we all are getting to know each other, social media, wherever emails, phone calls. It's all good. Any last comments? Shabbat. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen, guys. All right. Well, we'll talk to you all soon. So glad you're in the family. Love you. Have a good Thank night. You. Thanks, Bye. Sue. Bye. Bye, Shakira. Bye, Matt Knickel. Bye, Michaela. Bye, Adrian. Bye, Rebecca.